Raising our voices would like to acknowledge the Kulin Nations, true owners, caretakers and custodians of the land in which we broadcast. Raising our voices pays respect to elders, past and present of the Kulin Nation, and recognise their unceded sovereignty. I'd like to introduce myself, Bronwyn Trickett from Armida, and Lisa Bruntis from Brain Injury Matters for this episode of Raising Our Voices. Hi all. Today we would like to talk about the United Nations. Yes. There are many, many topics uh, on which we, from which we could cover. But we went through some of the information and we've picked pretty much two or three. Yes. Um, first of all, an introduction. Mm. Um, so the United Nations, what was most interesting to me when I was first looking at how it was developed was that it came out of the uh, Second World War. Yes, December 10th, I think. Okay. 1946. Okay. Um, representatives of 26 nations at that time pledged their governments to continue fighting together against the Axis powers. Yes, the Germans. Yeah. The war was, the Second World War was a terrible time. There were many humanitarian crimes. Yes, there were. Yeah. As opposed to now. <laughs> <laughs> so the, that was where the UN were um, first formed. No, before that there was oh, the League of Nations. That's right. I don't know any more details about the League of Nations, but it was apparently the predecessor to the United Nations. Okay, okay. So currently there are 193 member states, I believe. Mm. Mm. Um, 2015 marked the 70th anniversary. Uh, the headquarters is in New York City and there's also a headquarters in Geneva. Uh, and this is something I didn't know until I was looking at facts about the UN, is that there's actually a UN day on the 24th of October each year. Interesting. Mm. Maybe that should be our national holiday. Yeah. <laughs> Why not another one? <laughs> um, also, I noticed in 70 years the UN were awarded um, the Nobel Peace Prize 11 times. Interesting. Hmm. Only 11. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, what the UN do, they maintain international peace and security, mm -hmm. protect human rights, uh, deliver humanitarian aid around the globe promote sustainable development and uphold international law. That sounds right. Yeah. So we were looking also at um, disability-specific United Nations material. Mm. There's the Convention of the Rights of People with Disabilities. Mm -hmm. And we came up with some... And that's the newest apparently convention. Is it really? Apparently, I don't know for sure. Okay. But that's what I've, I've read. Okay. I think. It's really hard to be definite about things like that, especially when you have a brain injury, an acquired brain injury, and nobody believes you even if you're right. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> I know. Well, I believe you. Thank you. <laughs> Uh, I think disability, it's a really hard term to define. Mm. We were uh, trying to find a global definition. What is a disability? But no luck. No. Because it varies from country to country, from region to region. Yeah. 
from culture to culture. Definitely. In some cultures, it's more acceptable than others, where the facts don't really change from one country to another about whether, you know, how much a person is affected by whatever it might be. Impairment, yeah. And different disabilities are accepted in different countries. That's right. Like ABI, for example, wasn't accepted as a disability in Australia before I I heard 2012 or something like that. Okay. So if you had an ABI before that, you just had a really terrible headache. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Never mind what MRI scans might say. Doesn't matter. Irrelevant. (laughs) So then we um, we were looking at the statistics of Australia disability population from the last census, and that census was from um, the material was from two thousand and fifteen, and the disability prevalence rate in Australia has remained relatively stable over time. It's saying eighteen point three percent of people reported disability in two thousand and fifteen, eighteen Five percent in 2012 and 2009. So we also noticed that the UN has produced a web page on disability statistics from country to country, which I thought was really interesting. Hmm. Although for some reason Australia is not on there. Whether Australia hasn't provided their information or... I don't know what what the reason might be, but it's not on there just yet. But just we, yet. No. <laughs> I'm hoping it's going to be up there soon because I'd like to look at it. Um, we did find some information from Norway and a few other countries, so I'll read out Norway first. So it looks like there are definitely more women with disability than men. 60.7% of women of the um, population in Norway and 39.3% of the population. So that's quite a big difference. Then we were looking at Rwanda. Uh, There's not so much of a difference here. Uh, Women have uh, 50.5% of the population and men 49.5%. So there's not much difference at all. Uh, The UK and... Northern Ireland, uh, 55.5% of women, and for men, 44.5%, so it's not so much difference there. And then Zimbabwe was uh, 56.8% of women and 43.2% of men. So it's not really clear what it is that makes the difference um, between populations or between the sexes within populations. But it's certainly something interesting. It doesn't seem to be a a sense of culture or um, or, um, gross income. Mm. So at least they're not counted. Good point. Yes, good point. You're listening to 3CR, um, community radio station, and we're in the studio at the moment, and I'm, I'm Lisa, and I'm talking with Bronwyn, and we're talking about the United Nations. I've got some more facts about the UN, which I thought that we could talk about. Is this another did you know? Yes. Did you know? <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
the UN is the world's only truly universal global organisation. Uh, the most of the world's people live no more than 200 miles from the sea, which is quite interesting. Uh, Decolonisation changed the face of the planet, Mm. creating more than 80 nations. Uh, Women in the labour market still earn, on average, a quarter less than men globally. No kidding. Mm. The UN provides food and assistance to 80 million people in 80 countries. The UN provides vaccines to 45% of the world's children helping save 3 million lives a year. Uh, It assists and protects more than 67 million people fleeing war, famine and persecution. And I believe now that there are actually more refugees from um, the war in the Middle East than there were during the Second World War. Wow. Yeah. Uh, The UN works with 195 nations to keep global temperature rise well below two degrees Celsius. And how's that going? Do we know? Don't know. (laughs) (laughs) To be honest. (laughs) Gosh, I hope it's um, going to be something that can be taken care of. The UN tackles the global water crisis affecting more than two billion people worldwide. The UN protects and promotes human rights globally through 80 treaties or declarations. Well, that does a lot. Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> Practically. Yeah. Does nothing. But anyway. Well, yeah. Except statistically. Uh, the UN coordinates US $24.7 billion appeal for the humanitarian needs of more than 145 million people. Wow. Yeah. Uh, the UN uses diplomacy to prevent conflict, mm-hmm. assists some 50 countries a year with their elections and supports maternal health, helping over one million women a month overcome pregnancy risks. Able-bodied Australia does not realise that people with disabilities across the board are being discriminated against. Then the government to demand that we go out and get a job without removing the disincentives like the lack of access to transport and community infrastructure, without providing accessible buildings that can provide barrier-free employment. I'm not getting a fair go and I don't like it and I'm saying so. You're listening to 3CR, 855 on the AM dial. You're listening to 3CR Community Radio, Raising Our Voices, here with Lisa Bruntis from Brain Injury Matters, and I'm Bronwyn Trickett from Armida. Today we're talking about the UN and we're specifically talking about disability and how the the Convention on Rights of Persons with Disability how how the rights are upheld through the UN uh, Convention. Or not. Yes, very importantly. Um, as an advocate working at Amida, and you would find this too, Lisa, in your work at Brain Injury Matters, we do have to stand up for the rights of people who have disabilities, mm-hmm. um, often writing letters to government to remind them of their responsibilities to the Convention. Um, and earlier in the show we were talking about the that we couldn't come up with a universal definition of what disability Disability, is. Uh, So, again, looking at some material in the UN, it's 
it, it's again saying that it cannot explicitly define disability. Mm. Um, it's saying it, disability is an evolving concept and that disability results from interaction between persons with impairments and attitudinal and environmental barriers that hinder full and effective participation in society. That's a diplomatic way of it saying is, it. It is, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> um, so the the convention, it covers a lot of rights for people. It's really in the work that we're doing at our MITRE, it, it, we're, we're um, focusing on people's accommodation and their rights in accommodation to have a safe place to live with good housing. Um, and also we have NDIS appeals where the ND, the National Disability Insurance Scheme, perhaps somebody's not been able to get access to the scheme or they've been um, they've got an NDIS plan that's not quite right and they're appealing it. What we do at BIM, Brain Injury Matters, is basically concentrate on um, making the society generally more aware of brain injury and inclusion. Right. So we want to be included in society. Absolutely. I don't know why exactly. Well, <laughs> as a human being, you have amazing things to offer. We all do. It's just a fact, you know. Um, and the Convention on, on Rights of People with Disabilities acknowledges that and is there for us to, to refer to, even though perhaps we don't have, Australia doesn't have a law that is... Yes, that's very weird. We've ratified the convention, but we haven't mm. made it into law. Mm. Makes it, um, my job as an advocate a little bit more difficult that I can't just um, point to the law and say that this is what needs to happen. And that's not Disability Act or anything like that. It's more of a human rights issue. Mm. We don't have a human rights act or human rights law. Mm. You're listening to 3CR, Raising Our Voices, and we'll be listening to Band-Aid, We Are, Where the, are the World. world. Enjoy. That was Band-Aid, We Are the World, and now we'll be talking about some Band-Aid. Oh, no, right, sorry, rights. <laughs> yes, the, the, um, not, not a Band-Aid, the actual rights. Well, well, we'll just leave it at that. <laughs> so what are some of the rights in the convention? Let's talk about that. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, we're looking at equality before the law without discrimination for all people with disabilities. How real is that? Mm, well, yes, we're talking about all of Australia. I mean, in the cities, I think it's probably more recognised than perhaps in rural areas, mm. although not. You know, it's a generalisation. Um, uh, the right to life, liberty and security of person. And what does that mean? It uh, means that nobody is allowed to take your life away. Uh, so no murder? That, yeah. Um, of any type? No, or even accidental death, you know, um, for somebody to do that to another person. Um, liberty is freedom, um, security of person, for people to be safe. Um, equal recognition before the law and legal capacity. Uh, so that's saying that a person without a disability and a person with a disability would have the same legal rights, Mm -hmm. 
freedom from torture. Now, that's a bit kind of like ambiguous. Yeah. What, in fact, do they mean by torture? True. True. I mean, I suppose it's it's clearer in um, the context of war where things might be going on like that, but there are more subtle forms of exactly. torture. Which can be even psychological. Mm, that's true. And that leads into the next one, um, freedom from exploitation, violence and abuse. Mm. Uh, How does one guarantee that they have that kind of freedom? Well, I don't think that there is a guarantee for it. Um, yeah. I mean, if there was, perhaps we wouldn't need this. Mm. I don't know. Your guess is as good as mine. Yes, and I'm not guessing. No. Right to respect physical and mental integrity. That's very interesting. Yeah. Uh, Freedom of movement and nationality. Um, People can choose where they want to live, whether it's here in Australia, any state in Australia, um, moving overseas, living overseas. Now, nationality, what exactly does that mean? Is it like a formal thing? Yeah, I think it's a, um, like if you're, um, you can choose to become a, a, a resident or immigrate to another country and become a citizen of another country. Oh, yeah. Uh, and, you know, vice versa, although that's questionable about mm. the Australian um, human rights at the moment. Yes. It's very questionable. Mm. Right to live in the community. My question, why would you want to? <laughs> what, move to Australia or live in the community? <laughs> live in the community. Okay. Um, good question again. No response? <laughs> None comes to mind. <laughs> I suppose there, there are benefits of, of being integrated and uh, there's also, you know, there is the risk of discrimination. Uh, we we all know that. Mm. But there are benefits about being involved in community and um, socially integrated, I suppose, is the term. You know, having friendships, having um, connections with people, um, working, all of those sorts of things. Shopping. Yeah. <laughs> Not being isolated. Yeah, um, freedom of freedom of expression and opinion. Probably um, leading on from the last one that we read out in the community. Mm. Mm. Respect for privacy. Um, so we also have the Australian Privacy Principles, which is something else from the Privacy Information Privacy. Yeah, Act. and that is something that is law mm. here um, in I Victoria. Believe. Is it Victoria? Uh, I think they're. Um, don't quote me on this, but I think they're. Um, uh, National Australia. Um, respect for home and the family. I like the term respect. Me too. Mm. <laughs> but there's, we definitely don't need a shortage of respect. We always <laughs> do with some respect. I think this one is about uh, you know allowing families if if they're harmonious to remain living together. Mm. Uh, having respect for the family unit, um, allowing families to have children or couples to have children, no matter um, whether they're um, homosexual or LGBTI or whatever nature might be. Um, Right to education. Um, Well, that's schooling, university, all sorts, 
you know, post Living and learning? Yes. Even that's education. It is, isn't it? The right to health. Um, Does that mean like doctors, hospitals and blah, Yeah, blah. Access, access to good health care. Mm-hmm. Um, that's questionable again sometimes, depending on... Where you are. Yeah. And what services are available, especially in rural areas. You know, some people have to travel a long way to get to any kind of a clinic. Um, all the doctors or medical, medical staff have to travel a long way to get to you. That's right, like the flying doctor service. Mm. Uh, um, again, in the cities, I think it's it's a little bit easier to get good care. Mm. Uh, and there are also some diseases that are more recognised, like you were saying earlier about ABI. Mm. You know, not a very um, easily recognisable disability. No, no, and there are other areas of health that are really not recognised, mm. some um, diagnosis that, mm. that are not recognised, seeing that a bit in the NDIS appeals work as well. Um, we have to become trendy. <laughs> that you mean might do it. Yeah, <laughs> okay. that might do it. <laughs> like become, make it a popular thing to yeah. have. Everybody wants to have an API. <laughs> There, and, and there are some diseases that seem more popular than others. Mm. I have seen that. I've noticed that. Diseases or disabilities, whatever you might. Um, the next one, the right to work. That's pretty important for people if they want to work. If they want to. Yeah. They have every right to. Yeah. Yeah, and work, meaningful work can... Um, can be really important. Mm-hmm. The right to adequate standard of living. What does that mean? I think it means um, not living in poverty, which is... In squalor? Yeah. Having enough food, having enough uh, clothing, having enough shelter, mm-hmm. housing. Basically the basics. Yeah, yeah. The right to participate in political and public life. So if if a person with a disability wants to, they can join political events, um, committees, um, speak, act, do do what they choose in in that way. Mm-hmm. Um, and there there are um, organisations such as the Australian Human Rights Commission. Uh, Specifically to Victoria, the Victorian Human Rights Commission that that also govern that sort of thing here in Australia. In Victoria, yeah, yeah, and and there's also the Australian one, which is like the the AHRC, yeah, Human one. Rights Council. Yes, yeah. Uh, right to participation in cultural life. So no matter what the cultural background might be. So um, you've been listening to 3CR Community Radio, Raising Our Voices, with uh, Lisa Bruntis from Brain Injury Matters and Bronwyn Trickett from Armida. And um, we've been talking about the UN today, the United Nations, specifically the Convention on Rights of Persons with Disabilities, and also some did-you-know facts about the UN. (laughs) Thankfully, we have a... Um, my computer on the phone for that. Yeah. 
We did a Google search. <laughs> Some of those facts I had no idea. <laughs> but very interesting. Yes. Tune in next month at the same time on the second week of the month. Bye. Thank you very much. Bye-bye. You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.